Hello, and welcome to the Destiny Church Podcast. We trust that this will be a great encouragement to you and build your faith. Enjoy today's message. Hey, today we are continuing our series um, called Better Days. And this has kind of been our series for the year. We've visited this a few times. And, uh, but, but Better Days, the year of holistic health. And uh, man, as we are kind of writing these last few lines of the chapter of 2019, can you believe we're talking already, you know, the holidays come, some of y'all have your Christmas trees up since like Labor Day, because it gets earlier and earlier, I've seen it, I I know what's happening, Um, but you know what, we're starting to make plans for 2020, and and Pastor Chad's casting vision for that, so excited, but you know what, we wanted to just revisit this one more time, and just kind of just the Lord has just laid a few messages on our hearts for this, and um, because I believe that I want to go into 2020, I, I want to go in with no regrets. I want to go in as you know, because I be, I believe with all my heart, folks. I've been here for 14 years. This is uh, past, uh, uh, Rochelle and I were with Pastor Chad and Tasha when they planted. I'm telling you, I believe with all my heart that this. It's so cliche to say, but I believe with all of my heart that 2020 is going to be our greatest year ever. I believe that. I feel that. We've been praying that, and we've been praying that over you. Um, so I'm so excited about that. But today, we are looking at better days. Today, we're going to talk about a little bit of a tough subject. We're talking about offense toward others. We're talking about bitterness. And how for us to have better days, we may have to lay some things down. We may have to uh, have a tough conversation from time to time. See, I believe that bitterness, unforgiveness affects 100% of us at some point in our life. In fact, I, I believe that there's a good chance that maybe this year that you maybe have dealt, at some point this year you have dealt with bitterness in your life. Maybe uh, somebody wronged you in some way. Somebody said something about you. Somebody said something about one of your kids or something. And then there was this offense in your heart. We're going to be talking about to that, that today. But, you know, I, have you guys ever played or do you know the app Angry Birds? You know, there, there's movies about it. I think there's Angry Birds 2 right now. And um, um, these, yeah, that, that you can kind of see... Um, the birds, the, the three in the middle are the angry birds, obviously, and the green things are the pigs. Um, if you've never played this game before, um, it's, it's, it's kind of a fun game, and it is addicting, um, I think, but I never understood what the tr- mission of the game was, you know? I just thought you put a bird in a slingshot, and you, th- and you slung it toward a building, and, you, you know, I had no idea, but I kind of looked this kind of did some research on this, but I think we can clearly see, if you look at the birds, look at their faces, I think you can clearly see that they are disgruntled about something. (laughs) They are upset, and they're angry. And the pigs, I'll actually, let me tell you this first. So Cameron, who, she's going to kill me for telling you this, but Cameron, when she was a little girl, um... She was very candid with her emotions. I mean, she when she was happy, I mean, her face, she could light up a room with her face. I mean, just, she would laugh, and she, it was, I mean, it was awesome. 
But when she was angry, those eyebrows would go down just like this. I mean, and she was just so animated. And I'll never forget, we were on a roller coaster, and, um, um, it, and she was about six years old. It wasn't a big, fast roller coaster, but um, we were on this roller coaster, and she was having fun. She had her hands in the air, you know, like you do on a roller coaster. She was laughing and so excited. And then that roller coaster went into a tunnel, um, and it like went underground in a tunnel, and it was pitch black for like 10 straight seconds. I mean, 10 seconds of nothing but pitch black. So she went from this, and when we came out, I looked, and she's going. <laughs> she did not like going in the dark. And it was uh, so, so funny because she had such these, these facial expressions. But I did some research here. The birds are on a revenge mission against the pigs because the pigs stole their eggs. All right? So what they do is these birds project themselves, or we as the gamers, project these pigs into these, or I'm sorry, project these birds into these buildings that are holding the pigs. And the irony of this whole idea is they use themselves as a weapon, killing themselves, but they kill the pigs. And in life, for some reason, a lot of us have bought into this concept for, in order, me, in order for me to get this thing right, in order for me to get this offense right, I'm going to have to injure myself. In other words, I'm going to have to hold this grudge inside of my heart. I'm going to have to hold this anger inside of me. And the truth is, if you have unforgiveness in your heart, if you have offense towards somebody, you are injuring yourself way more than you're injuring that other person. This is a great time of year to be talking about this subject. You know, during we're, we're coming up on Thanksgiving. We're coming up on Christmas. And a lot of times these feelings almost are magnified during this time of year, especially if your offense is with a family member. I believe if we want to have better days in our marriages, in our finances, in our family, in our relationships in 2020, we have to be able to let go of offenses. We've got to not let bitterness and anger build up in our lives. Today, my message title is The Forgiven Forgive. The Forgiven Forgive. I want to look at a story in 2 Samuel chapter 10. This is a it's it's a weird story and I've read it I don't know, three or four times, but just never looked at it in this sense. I want to, it's 2 Samuel chapter 10, verse 1 through 4. I'm going to read first, and I'll, then I'll paraphrase it for you. It says, Sometime after this, King Nahash of the Ammonites died, and his son Hanan became the king. That was very common. A king would pass, his son would take over the throne. And David said, I'm going to show loyalty to Hanan just as his father Nahash was always loyal to me. So David sent ambassadors to express sympathy to Hanan about his father's death. He just wanted to reach out. Hey, I'm thinking about you. 
you've always been loyal to me. We don't know a whole lot about the relationship between Nahash and David, but we do know that they, you could say they were allies. They probably didn't hang out, but they, you know, they were, they were, uh, um, they were loyal to each other. Let's just say it that way. But when David's ambassadors arrived in the land of Ammon, the Ammonite commander said to Hanan, the master, the new king, rookie king, they said, do you really think that these men are coming here to honor your father? They said, no, David has sent them to spy out the city so they can come and conquer it. So Hanan seized, listen to this, Hanan seized David's ambassadors, shaved off half of each man's beard, cut off their robes at the buttocks. I know, it's kind of funny. And sent them back to David in shame. Think about this. I just want to come and tell you that my king just said he's thinking about you. He's praying for you. You know, believing for great things. And the next thing they know, half their beard's gone and their rear end's hanging out. And it says, they sent them back to David in shame. Listen to me. At some point... Somebody's going to shame you. Somebody will humiliate you. Somebody's going to wrong you. Somebody will offend you. It's just a matter of time. You're not immune to it. You're not exempt from it. It's going to happen. There's a story. Muhammad Ali was on an airplane flying across the country, and right before they took off, the stewardess was doing the final checks, and she looked, and she noticed his seatbelt wasn't buckled. And she said, Mr. Ali, we're getting ready to take off. I need you to buckle your seatbelt. And Muhammad Ali looked at her and said, Superman don't need no seatbelt. And the stewardess looked at him and said, well, Superman doesn't need no plane. (laughs) Buckle your seatbelt. Listen to me, you're not Superman. It will happen at some point in your life. I don't care how spiritual you are. I don't care if how well you're able to suppress your feelings. It's just a matter of time before someone offends you. And to be honest, a lot of times it's someone who's closest to you. You're not Superman. Luke chapter 17 verse 1. It says, then Jesus said to his disciples, it is impossible that no offenses should come. Being offended is something that you and I will experience. You can't escape it. You can't avoid it. There's no way out of it. There's no exemptions. You might get hurt. You might get angry. You're going to get humiliated. Aren't you encouraged today? This is great, isn't it? Man, this is, I'm so excited, Pastor Jason. You're, you're really encouraging me today. If things aren't going, if things are going great in your life right now, that's great. Just file this message away because you, you, will, you will need what I'm teaching you today. It's just a matter of time. 
that it will happen. According to Jesus, he says at some point offenses will come. Could be by a family member, could be by a close friend, it could be by your spouse, it could even be from a pastor. Maybe you're offended by this message right now. You know, I was kind of reading about this and, and just studying, but New Zealand, it's a, it's a country off the coast of Australia. New Zealand is home to more flightless birds than anywhere else in the world. The island of New Zealand. And the reason for that is because there are no predators in New Zealand. Let me say it this way. There's no, there's no native predators. You know, there's been people that have brought things over, but there are no native predators. There's no wolves. There's no bears like we have. There's nothing, well, like not, we, well, actually we are getting bears around here now, but, um, but there's no predators. 43% of New Zealand's birds are flightless. They're short Fat little birds that have little nubs for wings. In other words, their wings never developed. So you could say that a predator creates the ability to fly. Where there's no need to fly, you, use, you lose the ability to fly. In life, you can choose to scratch around with the chickens or you can mount up with wings as eagles. But you'll never, listen to me, you will never be able to have wings as eagles without opposition. You're never going to be able to achieve your dreams and goals without something or someone opposing you. I wish, I wish, Pastor Jason, I didn't have so much opposition in my life. You know, every time I take a few steps forward, I get knocked four or five steps backwards. You know, I, I have some plans and I have some dreams in my heart, but man, I just got offended and I'm angry and I got all this stuff happening in my heart. It's all bottled up. I wish there wasn't so many predators that are trying to destroy my dreams. Understand something. Airplanes take off into the wind. I, I didn't realize that. They take off going into the wind. It's the resistance and the opposition that give them the lift. And the reason that 43% of the birds in New Zealand will never fly off of a cliff or never fly over a mountain is because they have nothing opposing them. Opposition enables you to do the things that you never would have done had you not had the opposition in your life. If you're taking notes today, uh, uh, write this down. Sometimes... It takes the worst things done to you to bring out the best in you. It takes the worst things done to you to bring out the best in you. And what I have learned in my years of ministry and, and, and just being a follower of Christ is that when God decides to use you greatly, he'll allow you to become hurt deeply. In this story, 
In 2 Samuel, David wanted to do something kind. He just, he just wanted to say, we're thinking about you. He wanted to reach out and show honor and respect to Hanan, who just lost his father. David always had this way of, of, of showing loyalty and respect. You know, he was, he's what I would call a king's king. You know, he was a mighty warrior, but he was also a poet. You know, those two things really don't go hand in hand. But he, he always had this way of showing honor and respect to someone. You remember the story of, of uh, Mephibosheth. David says, isn't there someone from Saul's household that I can show honor and respect to? Saul, Saul had died. He was the king. Him and David didn't really get along. In fact, Saul tried to kill David. But he said, isn't there someone? Because he was the king, is there someone I can show honor and respect to? David just wanted to show kindness to the king of Ammon. Just offer condolences. They weren't his ambassadors he sent. They weren't armed. They didn't have, they weren't there to do anything but offer condolences. And when they arrived, again, with pure motives, some of the king's commanders said, do you really think they're here to honor you? They're here to spy on you. They're here to measure you up. They're here to see if they can overthrow you. Don't you see what's happening, king? Isn't it interesting how the devil will use the people closest to us to plant a seed in our mind that's purely hypothetical? So what do they do? They capture the men. They shave off half their beard. I'm trying to look at some of the beards out here. Can you imagine? Someone like, capturing you and like wouldn't it be better to save the whole thing of course it would but he knew the shame it would bring them he knew that going back going back to where they came from with half of their beard that's humiliating I mean it would have been better if they were if they were beat up or roughed up because in those days your beard that that in that culture that signified who a man was it was a mark of honor. It was a mark of distinction. And when they cut half the beard off, it was tampering with that man's character. Who they are is humiliating. Have you, have you ever, I don't, I'm, I don't want to bring up old feelings, but have you ever been so humiliated by someone that you just didn't want to be around them? You didn't want to be around anybody. You didn't want to even be around your friends because you were so shamed and you were humiliated, and you were embarrassed by what happened or what was said. You may know what I'm talking about today. I mean, it's just, it, it's, it's not a fun feeling. But I want you to know that at some point in your Christian walk, you will be offended. You're going to get hurt. You'll be disrespected at some point. It's going to happen. No way around it. The devil will do everything in his power to take you out. And listen to me, even, even if you're doing God's will, even if you're doing the will of the king and doing exactly what the king told you to do, sometimes you might get humiliated and shamed.
And what David does next is where I think we miss it. Or let me say, it's where I miss it when I've been offended. Would you look at verse 5 in 2 Samuel 10? Listen to this. When David heard what had happened, he sent messengers to tell the men. And this is what he told them. He said, stay at Jericho until your beards grow out. For they felt deep shame because of their appearance. David said, these are some of my mighty men. They've been shamed. They've been wronged. They've been disrespected. I don't want them to feel embarrassed. I don't want them to feel humiliated. Tell them to stay in Jericho until their beards grow back. Until their dignity comes back. We'll get a seamstress down there. We'll sew up their robes. We'll order something on Amazon Prime. We will do something to get the rear end covered. I want them to know. I want them to understand. They have been wrong, but they can heal in Jericho. And what's interesting is if you search the meaning of the word Jericho, it means a place of concealment, a sweet fragrance, or a sweet place. Think about that for a second. A sweet place. I love the fact that David is so concerned with how these men thought of themselves. How sensitive to the fact that they were humiliated. He wants to restore them. He wants to, he wants to rid them of their shame. He doesn't want anybody to know what happened to them. In other words, he's protecting their dignity. And same, we see the same principle with the prodigal son. If, you know, if you've read the story of the prodigal son, he, he left his father. He took his father's inheritance that he gave him. He left. He, he wasted it all. The Bible says on wild living. And he became so broke financially and he became so broke spiritually. The Bible says that he, uh, that he ate with the pigs. He didn't have enough money to do anything. Can you imagine? He was filthy. He was dirty. He, was, he probably smelled. And he finally got the courage. He was embarrassed. He was humiliated by what he did. It was a choice that he made. But when he came back, the Bible says that the father came out and he ran to him. And the very first thing that he did is he embraced him and he wrapped a robe around him covering his shame. It was a metaphor. He was covering his shame. He was covering his humiliation. He put a ring on his finger. He put sandals on his feet. Aren't you excited and aren't you blessed today that Jesus can see past all of our junk can see past all of the things, even the decisions that we made. He sees our humiliation, and he wants to heal us. When his father saw him, he embraced him. He threw a robe around him. David said, send him to Jericho. Let him heal. Send him to that sweet place so that they can be restored. Listen to me. When you get offended, when you are wronged by someone, when you get cheated, when you're stolen from, when someone stabs you in the back, 
when your best friend turns on you, when you get humiliated, if you're wounded, God is saying, let me help restore your dignity. Just go to Jericho, go to that sweet place, just hang out in my presence until your dignity comes back, until your beard grows back. Don't get defensive. I'll restore your honor. I know you're mad. I know you're insulted. I know you've been done wrong. Just keep the right spirit. Keep, the, keep that, that sweet spirit. Keep the right attitude. If you'll just go to that sweet place, your beard will come back. I want you to turn to your neighbor and tell him right now, your beard's coming back. Even if it's a woman, tell her right now. Ma'am, your beard's coming back. I can see it. No, don't, you better not say that. I'm going to get some ladies with some unforgiveness toward me here in just a second. Your beard's coming back. I don't know about you. My natural instinct is to fight back and defend myself. That's, that's, that's what I do. The king told him, go to Jericho. Go to that sweet place. I'll defend you. I'll restore you. I know they hurt you. Don't give up. Don't get angry. Don't quit church. Don't get defensive. I'll right the wrong, God says. Romans chapter 12, verse 19, listen to this. It says, do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay says the Lord. God is saying, I know they hurt you. I know they wronged you. I get it. I understand. But God is telling us he will deal with the vengeance. He will deal with all of that stuff. All he's asking you and I to do is just to go to Jericho. Hang out in my presence. Let me heal you. I'll deal with the the revenge. I'll deal with that. You see, vengeance isn't sinful. It's not evil. But it's not for you and I. It's for God. Well, Pastor Jason, I don't want him to get by with it. That's not up to you. That's what we want to do. We want to see the right wrong, or we want to see that wrong right righted. You know, we want to, we, we want to, we want them to pay. We want, we want it to be an even playing field. That's our flesh. That's kind of how we're wired. It's just not fair, Pastor Jason. They should have to pay for what they did. You know it's not fair. It's not fair that Jesus was beaten, wrongly accused, and executed for something that we did, not him. If you want to talk about fair, that's not fair. I can't get closure, Pastor Jason. I, 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 I need, I gotta have that closure. I gotta, I gotta know that they paid for what they did. I can't forget about it until the wrong has been avenged. Let me tell you something. You're, you're probably not gonna forget about it. We hear that thrown around. Forgive and forget. Let me tell you something. Forgiveness is not amnesia. Okay. There's a good chance you're not gonna forget about it. But you know what? I do think that through God's grace that you'll remember it differently. 
You see, when you forgive, you'll look at what happened and you'll be amazed by how God brought you through that whole situation and you'll look at it and say, only by God's grace was I able to get through that. Look at where I was, now look at where I am now. That's God's ways. I know it's hard. Maybe it's a different mindset than maybe how you grew up. I know it's a different mindset from how I grew up. But God's telling us, you deal with you, I'll help you heal, but I don't need your help dealing with them. I'll take care of that. You work on you. You know, one day, Peter asked Jesus. Peter, a disciple, we know Peter was one of, I get, you could say he was one of the lead disciples. I mean, the Bible doesn't say that, but you know. Peter, James, and John seemed like they went everywhere with Jesus. Maybe Jesus had his favorites. I don't know. Peter was, um, he had an anger issue. He had a temper. We know that. We, we, if you've read the Gospels, you know that Peter had a little bit of an anger issue. He got defensive very easily. He was rough. He... Um, I could, I could see Peter like, I, this is not biblical, but I could see Peter like cussing somebody out, you know? I mean, he cut people's ears off, so you got to think he would cuss somebody out. He's just a rough guy. And probably after being wronged, maybe, maybe it was someone close to him, I don't know, but probably after having someone stab in the, him in the back, he asked Jesus one day, he said, Jesus, how many times should I forgive? He said, seven times? That's good. You know, the Pharisees taught three times. So he thought I would multiply it by two and add one because he, he wanted to be spiritual in front of Jesus. You know, he, he wanted, to, wanted to impress Jesus. Seven times, God, that's, that's, that's not bad. Jesus looked at him and said, 70 times, seven times. In the same day. 490 times. If you, do, if you do the math, that's like forgiving someone once every three minutes. Same offense, same day. And I got to thinking about this. You know, I, I never understood. When I was a kid in Sunday school, how many of y'all went to Sunday school? When you were a kid, I went to Sunday school. I'm thankful for that. Man, that really, there's, there's some foundation in my life because of Sunday school. And I always thought, why, why would Jesus say 70 times 7? Why this random number of 490 times? That's just a weird number. And I realized, I, I, just after hearing people preach on this, after looking at it myself, I realized that Jesus was saying, forgive others just as God forgave you. And how many times did God forgive you? As many as it takes. The Bible tells us that why will, why, while we were still sinners, Christ died. So while we were still sinning, Jesus was on the cross knowing that we would do it again. And again. And again. It's as many times as it takes. 
And I think Peter, he was wanting a number so he could keep a record, so he could keep a ledger, so he could, so he could say, okay, well, it's only seven times. After, when, you go, when you do something to me the eighth time, we're done. It's over. I'm not going to do anything. And Jesus is telling him, he's basically saying forgiveness is not about keeping score. It's about losing count. It's not about keeping a record. It's about losing count of the offense and realizing where you once were and how far you've come. Forgiveness is a tough business. I'll just tell you, it is a tough, tough, tough business, especially when that wound is deep. Um... So, this is random off subject. I like ketchup, okay? And I like Heinz ketchup. I can eat Hunt's ketchup, it's all right. But I like Heinz 57. And Heinz ketchup, you know, we have the, the, you know, it's pretty convenient. You go to a restaurant, you squeeze it out, no big deal. You know, it just comes, wouldn't it? It, wouldn't it be nice if forgiveness was that way? You just, you just squeeze it and it's done. I forgive you and now it's over. But you see, when I was a kid, they didn't have the squeeze bottles. They had glass jars. You remember the glass jars of Heinz 57? All that ketchup was in that glass jar and it was vacuum sealed. So if it was a brand new bottle, you would have to get the lid off, which that was really, really difficult sometimes. And then what would happen is you would, you would tip that glass jar of ketchup, and what would happen? Nothing. And the reason nothing would happen is because it was under a lot of pressure. It was, it, the contents, the ketchup, was, it was packed in there and it was under so much pressure. So what did we do? All of us rednecks, we'd take a knife and stab it up in there and pull it out. And the good people at Heinz said, we can't have these people at a nice restaurant stabbing their knives up in a jar and pulling it out. And so you can Google, you can, you can look this up, but there's a label around the neck of the bottle, and there's a little indention in the bottle. And, the, and they designed these bottles, before the squeeze kind, they designed the bottles that if you would just tap in the right spot, and you would just keep tapping that bottle, eventually, you may know what I'm talking about, eventually the ketchup would come out. All of that ketchup that was under so much pressure would eventually come out. That's how forgiveness works. It usually doesn't come out in the squeezable kind. I forgive you and it's over. You may forgive someone and guess what? Tomorrow you may have to forgive them again. And then the next day you may have to forgive them again. And then a month later you may have to forgive them again. But I can tell you, if you'll just be open to forgiveness, if you can just get the bottle open and just say, God, I'm... I'm I'm struggling with this, I'm open to it, but I, I, I'm just going to get open and allow you to work. I don't understand this, I don't know why I'm having to walk through this, but if you'll just start 
She'll just start knocking and tapping in the right spot. And if you just stay in that sweet place in God's presence, don't get offended, don't get defensive, don't get bitter, don't quit church. If you'll just stay in that, in that, in, with a sweet spirit in your heart, and if you will just keep not, the Bible says this, ask and it will be given, seek and you will find, knock, if you'll just tap, if you'll just keep knocking, eventually all of that stuff in your heart, all of that stuff that's under so much pressure will eventually start coming out, and it'll start coming out, and it'll start coming out. That's how forgiveness works. Aren't you glad that God first forgave us? Aren't you glad that he gave us a second and a third and a fourth and 490 chances and however many chances it takes for us to get this thing right with God? Jesus is saying, I forgave you, you forgive them. Amen? Let's pray today. Thank you so much for joining us. Special thanks to those of you who give to this ministry. It's because of you that this ministry is possible. You can check out the link in the description to give or visit destinychurch.me slash give. Don't forget to subscribe and share with your friends. We love you and have a blessed week.